If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. Number one, it's free. Absolutely free. Number two, there's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or your computer. And lastly, number three, Anchor will distribute your podcast for you. So it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. So I highly recommend Anchor. It's awesome. Hello, and welcome to Speaking Frankly. I'm your host, Janae Frank. This podcast is all about love, life, pain, and everything in between. Real talk for real people from a writer's and life coach's perspective. It's done through storytelling, interviews, and plain old straight talk. This week's episode is titled The Twilight Zone. So this season, all of the titles are book titles or TV show titles. The Twilight Zone happens to be both. I found out a fun fact. I've always loved The Twilight Zone. Back in the day, I used to watch it. It was in black and white, and it was just so different. And the odd thing about it is I never knew this fact. So let me share it with you now. The Twilight Zone is one of the most influential television shows of all time, a show that not only reinvented the science fiction drama, but redefined the very idea of episodic television. With each and every episode of The Twilight Zone, viewers were transported to different dimensions through captivating strange stories and exotic visuals. Every episode served more as a mini-movie than as a mere TV show, and over the years, the show became an important part of American pop culture history. Much of the show's success is due to the creator, Rod Serling, who was inspired by a very real historical event when he outlined his plan for the series. So, The Twilight Zone premiered on television in 1959, The show was conceived by this creator, Rod Serling, as a way to address topics such as racism, war, government, society, and the fallacies of human nature. These topics were not welcomed in most episodic television at the time, but in Serling's view, by disguising the show as a science fiction-based series that dabbled into horror, absurdism, suspense, and psychological horror, he would become more easily able to weave those themes throughout each episode. Searling was already a big name in TV when he started outlining The Twilight Zone. Searling was heavily inspired by the 1955 murder of Emmett Till, a young African-American boy who was abducted, beaten, and shot by two white men. Till's killers were both acquitted, and the miscarriage of justice in the high-profile case motivated Serling to write screenplays that spoke directly to the nation's conscience. As Serling later said, the writer's role is to be a menacer of the public's conscience. He must have a position, a point of view. He must see the arts as a vehicle of social criticism, and he must focus the issues of his time. So I know that was a mouthful, but I never realized how much you know, that he was influenced by that horrific event in time and how some of the shows and books that we love really have a backstory and just how deep they really are. So I wanted to name this episode The Twilight Zone because it is an American pop culture term. People will often say when they find themselves in strange situations, you know, they'll say, you know what? I like live in the twilight zone. Like that was a twilight zone moment. What is going on? And it's just to show how absurd life can truly be. So how does that relate to the topic at hand? The twilight zone relates to the topic at hand because today I want to talk about gaslighting. I want to talk about people who are gaslighters. I want to talk about narcissistic personality disorder and how people in our lives, whether that's family, whether that's relationships, intimate relationships, boyfriend, girlfriend, partners, husbands, wives, um, it could be horrible bosses that you've had in your lives, and most importantly, friendships. 
We have all at some point in time experienced gaslighting. And the key to healing this behavior, uncovering it, shining a light on it, is to understand exactly what it is. So many times I think people think abuse is simply physical. Physical abuse, and then you can understand what it is. But this type of abuse, this type of psychological, emotional abuse is so much more insidious. And it can have you feeling like you're in the twilight zone. So what is the definition of gaslighting? Gaslighting is a form of psychological manipulation and emotional abuse. The gaslighter avoids responsibility for their toxic behavior by lying and denying, making you question facts and your memories and your feelings. Gaslighters have two signature moves. These are they lie with the intent of creating a false reality and they cut off their victims socially. They spread gossip, they take credit for other people's work, and they undercut others in furtherance of their own position. So when I was thinking about this topic, I was like, you know what, I can either name this The Twilight Zone or I can name this Horrible Bosses. I don't know if you saw that movie, Horrible Bosses with um, Jason Bateman and a couple other people. That movie was hilarious. Um, I can tell you in my life, I have had the biggest form of gaslighting behaviors happen to me at the hands of horrible bosses that I had. I once had a boss at a place that I worked. It was called the Center for Prevention of Abuse. I was in a human resource role, but I still had to go through extensive training about all different types of forms of abuse, emotional, psychological, physical, obviously sexual abuse, everything. And the craziest part about it, the Twilight Zone moment of it all, is that my boss was a psychologically abusive individual. Horrible, horrendous. And so that's the irony of the whole situation of being in the Twilight Zone. They spread gossip. They take credit for other people's work. This person, this individual was just mean for no good reason. Just mean and miserable. So... Um, What else do they do? Uh, They manipulate their target's conscience. So gaslighting targets consciousness. So the term comes from the Alfred Hitchcock movie Gaslit. And that's uh, that came out in 1944 about a husband with a secret who slowly drives his wife insane. Gaslighters claim to know a person better than they know themselves. So where have you been gaslit? in your life? What do those behaviors look like? Um, Common phrases that gaslighters might use. So have you ever been in this situation where somebody says to you, I never said that? Um, They'll say something like, I did that because I love you. I don't know why you're making such a huge deal of this. So that's minimizing your, you know, how you feel. Or how about this one? You're being overly sensitive you're being dramatic. You're the issue, not me. If you loved me, you would, whatever. You are crazy. So those are some of the things that gaslighting people who exhibit these types of behaviors do. They try to control the victim by twisting their sense of reality. An example, another example of gaslighting would be a partner doing something abusive and then denying it that it ever happened. Gaslighting can occur in romantic, platonic, and family relationships, or like I said, even at work. Um, They're trying to gain power and control, and they're trying to plant seeds of uncertainty in other people's minds. So one of the things that I learned when I was doing my training at the Center for Prevention of Abuse was that abuse in any form, you would be surprised, but abuse of any form stems from the abuser wanting and seeking power and control. And so that's where it's based on. So you would never think that, you know, you think sexual abuse is, you know, it's about sex. It's about, you know, but it's about controlling. It's about power because these people oftentimes feel powerless and something horrible was done to them. And so they are inflicting that upon other people. 
Also, gaslighters tend to be narcissistic individuals. They tend to have very low self-esteem, but they come across as these super overly confident people who a lot of times are very charismatic, very, very charming, but they have a very, very thin uh, self-confidence to them. If you say something to them, it can completely take them out. And so what are people trying to do to make you feel bad about yourself? They're trying to bring you down because they, in fact, have very, very low self-esteem. Many times people who exhibit these type of characteristics, these gaslighting behaviors, in fact, are narcissistic individuals. And I know that is another buzzword that's been thrown around in the last several years that people just want to label everybody a narcissist. Everybody is not a narcissist, you know, but a narcissistic personality disorder is a disorder in which a person has an inflated self sense of self-importance. So narcissistic personality disorder is found more commonly in men. The cause is unknown, but likely involves a combination of genetic and environmental factors. So what does that look like? You know, what are the symptoms? What are the causes? Um, They said people who have these uh, disorders may generally be unhappy and disappointed when they're not given special favors or admiration that they believe they deserve. They may find their relationships troubled and unfulfilling and other people may not enjoy being around them. Treatment for narcissistic personality disorders, centers talk about therapy and psychotherapy and that kind of thing. But what does that look like? It looks like people who have an unreasonably high sense of self and importance, excessive admiration. They need that. They feel they deserve privileges and special treatment. They expect to be recognized as superior even without achievements. Um, They make achievements and talent seem bigger than they are. They're preoccupied with fantasies about success, power, brilliance, beauty, or the perfect mate. Um, They look down on people that they feel are not important, and they take advantage of others to get what they want. They have an inability or unwillingness to recognize the needs or feelings of others. They're the people who are going to take over the conversations, flaunt their bravado, Um, behave in an arrogant way, brag a lot, and come across as conceited and insist on having the best of everything. For instance, the best car, the best office, that kind of thing. So um, at the same time, people with narcissistic personality disorder have trouble handling anything that they view as criticism, which is very interesting. They can become very impatient and angry when they don't get, you know, their special treatments They have problems interacting with others and easily feel slighted. They react with rage or contempt and try to belittle other people to make themselves appear superior. So why am I going through all of this? Because narcissistic personality disorder is closely related to people who gaslight. Now, is it always the same thing? No, sometimes it's mutually exclusive. Have I ever probably gaslit somebody in my life? I'm probably, I probably have. You know, I think we have all at some point in our lives been manipulative to get what we want. Does that make us narcissistic people? We might have some traits, but that doesn't mean you necessarily have that personality disorder, but I wanted to cover that nonetheless. The fact of the matter is that we are all going to be considered at some point in our lives monsters to other people, or we're going to be considered villains, and we're going to be the bad guy in somebody else's story at some point in time. So my whole point in doing these episodes, like the one I did the last episode, The Unforgiven, and talking about people who aren't sorry, and how do you get to a path of forgiving, and you know, just shining a light on all these negative aspects of the human experience is not to say the bad guys are over there, we're the good guys over here. It's to understand that we all at some point in time exhibit these characteristics, these negative traits that, because we're human. And um, what's important is understanding them, shining a light on them, being self-aware so that we can correct them 
and that we can become better people. Because like I said, we are all the villain in somebody's story. I wrote a piece a couple years ago called Breaking Bad. And, you know, that's just who I am. I have to write to get things out. It's very cathartic to me, just the same way that some people write in their journals, some people write poetry. I also write poetry, but I don't really share my poetry. But I want to share this piece with you, and it's about, you know, people in my life who have been narcissistic or, you know, or gaslighters or what I thought it was at the time was actually betrayal. And as I look back two years later, I realized that this person was a prime example of what a gaslighter is and what a gaslighter does. When people feel that they can't control you, and I'm not an easily per, a easy person to control, you know, believe me, I am not. People will try to control how other people see you and how other people view you when they can't control you. So it's called Breaking Bad and you can find it on Speaking Frankly on my blog at JanaeFrank.com under the writing tab. And it says this, I wrote this in June, June 14th, 2021, Breaking Bad. I once read that God removes people from your life because he heard conversations that you didn't hear. It's funny how the truth always has a way of eventually coming to light, even if it's several years later. I'm speaking of betrayal and the toll it can take on you over time. It's like slowly being poisoned to death. It's an insidious monster that hasn't had the mercy to kill you quickly, but instead torture you over time. Once you find out the truth, life as you knew it can never be the same. The people you thought you knew are strangers, and all the smoke and mirrors fall crashing to the ground. What remains cannot be explained, but the weight of it is most certainly felt. People spend so much time carefully crafting elaborate masks to disguise the monster that lies beneath. Unfortunately, I have come to know many monsters in my day, but what is most frightening is that I call these people by the name friends. Bob Marley once said, the truth is everybody is going to hurt you. You just got to find the ones worth suffering for. I hate to agree with this sentiment, but inevitably it is true. We are all human and we will all disappoint one another at some point in our lives. The question is, how do we trust again and how do we move on? People make mistakes and sometimes people have a change of heart. However, I don't think the core of who someone is really changes at all. If you plan to continue to engage with them, here are three things that you must know. The first thing is knowing that it is okay to let people go. There's a season, a reason, and a lifetime for friendships. Use your God-given discernment and figure out the difference. The second thing, if you plan to continue to engage, is to set a clear boundary with them to protect your peace. If they aren't comfortable with this, then that tells you they aren't worth keeping. Lastly, don't trust people. Only trust that they will be exactly who they are in the world. There's a major distinction in that. People show us who they are through repeated action, and it's up to us to trust ourselves enough to handle them accordingly. Keep them at arm's length, and if they don't like their new position in your life, who cares? I would much rather have people respect me any day than like me. Respect begets respect. Unfortunately, everyone will taste the bitter fruit of some form of betrayal at one point in this life. It could be slander, defamation of character, inception, the planting of seeds of doubt, and all other creations of chaos. How you handle it determines who you are. Do you let it harden your heart and become bitter and withdrawn? Do you address it head on and attack? Or do you see clearly through the rough winds ahead and adjust your sails with silent precision? Only you can make that decision for yourself. One of my favorite shows, AMC's hit series Breaking Bad, reminds me of how close we all can get to danger and how you never fully know anyone. No one would ever have imagined that the sweet and harmless high school chemistry teacher, Walter White, would have devolved into this maniacal and sinister drug kingpin. For his character, desperate times called for desperate measures, and eventually the power took over and consumed him. Walter White was murdered by who he allowed himself to become, his alter ego Heisenberg. 
I feel that we all have aspects of light and dark within us. Therefore, we must stay vigilant, not allowing the darkness to set in. Many people are capable of many things if pushed too far. It would frighten most people if you could know what people can do. Walter was able to hide his dark side from his family for a long time. But in all things, what is done in the dark will eventually come to light. I suppose I'm speaking in hyperbolic terms to impress upon the fact that even the best of people will surprise you and sadly hurt you for their own selfish, narcissistic, and careless reasons. Is it fair to call these individuals monsters? Well, depending on the circumstance, I think so. In the English language, monster can be defined as a powerful person or thing that cannot be controlled and that causes many problems. That being said, I guess we all have the capability of being a monster or the bad guy in someone else's story. Do we ever really know who the people are in our lives? What I do know is this. Anyone is capable of anything good or bad under the right set of circumstances. Despite it all, I still tend to believe that most people lean towards the spectrum of goodness. So when it starts to get dark around you, remember this. Only in the darkness can you see the stars. Don't let the monsters that walk among us walk within us. So that whole experience was very, very shocking. When I tell you I thought I was in the twilight zone after that situation occurred, I doesn't even begin to explain things. Um, you know, what I've realized over the years and now with my life coaching business is everything that has happened to me, good, bad, horrendous, horrific, and otherwise was for my greatest good. Because all of these experiences good and bad, have made me into the person that I am today. And I am able to help my clients better because I have experienced so many different forms of um, abuse. I hate to say that, but, you know, psychological, emotional, not physical, not sexual, but I have been through some things in my life. And it's hard to be a good teacher if you yourself have never experienced that pain that somebody has had. So my purpose and my passion right now in life is to help people, is to shine a light, is to be aware, is to be conscious of the things of all aspects of the human condition and what we go through to try to improve our lives and better our lives. So that's why I shared that piece with you today. What I thought was a form of betrayal was, in fact, someone who was trying to gaslight me and manipulate me because they they couldn't control me. So I'm going to try to control how other people see you in the world. So a little bit later on in this episode, I am going to get my friend and my accountability partner, Dr. Frida on the line and she's going to share her story about her ex-husband and that whole situation and how she's experienced gaslighting and how she helps her clients through through that. Um, the most important thing though in any type of form of abuse or toxic behavior is to understand that you're going through it. I think there's so much guilt and shame associated when we are victims of something. You know, there's this shame. We don't want to tell anybody. We can't believe that it happened to us. You know, we thought we were, you know, smarter or stronger or wiser or smarter than to get in a situation. And shame is just the worst thing that you can have because shame keeps you silent. And when you, you're silent, you can't heal and you can't help anybody else. You can't share with them. You know what? I know what you've been through because I've been there myself. And so that's what this is all about is just awareness and getting rid of shame. Vulnerability is actually a very, very courageous act. So I want to give you eight facts or eight gaslighting tactics to know about so you can protect yourself from uh, dangerous manipulation. And I found this on wellandgood.com. And the first one is reality distortion. So you know that song with Shaggy, It Wasn't Me? Have you ever been in a situation where somebody, you know you saw something, you know you heard something, you know something happened that wasn't right, but people will spin it in a way where they'll literally have you second guessing 
what you actually know to be true. So that's a gaslighting tactic is it wasn't me, you know, and you actually start to believe that person. Number two is telling you different things at different times. So, you know, one day they're telling you one thing, the next day they're saying something completely different and it's causing you to question yourself and ask yourself, am I going crazy? Did I hear that wrong? You know, I'm really to just turn your world upside down. Number three, a tactic of a gaslighter or a manipulator is name calling and just really trying to lower your self-esteem. Like I said, gaslighters have a hard time with people like myself who have a strong sense of self and who they are. Now, that doesn't mean I don't doubt myself. That doesn't mean that, you know, it just means that, you know, my parents truly from a very young age, shout out to my mom and dad, instilled in me who I am and a self of self-worth and, and um, self-esteem. You know, my parents told me I was beautiful and smart and fabulous and I believed them. Okay. So when you know, I run into a gaslighter or a manipulator, somebody, you know, a narcissistic person. You know, you might think from reading some of my blog episodes, like, wow, this girl has a lot of drama in her life. When in reality, what it is, is I call people out on their BS. So that's what happens. So I guess you could say I would have a, you know, a non- dramatic life and my life wouldn't be like the twilight zone if I just went off quietly into the night without a fight. Now a fight I'm not speaking in you know I'm speaking in metaphorical terms. I'm not out here fighting people but when I see injustice in the world when I see somebody being mistreated or I have someone in my life exhibiting these type of toxic traits and characteristics I call them out on it. And therefore, you are going to have some level of drama when you call people on the carpet. They don't like that. People like that do not want to be called out. And I don't necessarily advise people to call these people out. Um, in fact, therapists will tell you, I'm not a therapist, I'm a life coach. There's a difference. But therapists will tell you it's not always a great thing to call out a narcissistic person because they are going to come out fighting, okay? It's better to just distance yourself away from them, ghost them, cut them off, um, and seek some counseling and some help, you know? Um, number four is pitting two people against each other. So going back to the horrible bosses scenario, um, I had a boss who would do this. They would tell, you know, one of their people, you know, you're so great and you're so awesome. And then they'll tell another person, you know what? I wish you were more like so-and-so. And so that would cause seeds of, you know, jealousy and envy and, and inner fighting. And they wanted that kind of inner fighting so that they could seek power and control over them. So pitting two people against each other is something that gaslighting people do. Number five, this relates to relationships, love bombing. So love bombing is where you meet somebody and all of a sudden they are just gassing you up and literally gassing you up. They're a gaslighter. They're telling you how wonderful and fabulous and beautiful and smart and intelligent and exciting you are. And you're getting so excited and you're thinking this is a perfect person. They want to build up this perfect facade and make you think that they are just you know, the best thing in the world. And it's because they themselves know that they are not. And at some point in time, they're going to be exposed. So there's a psychologist, her name is Dr. Amy Damaris. And she says that the relationship itself, when it's healthy, develops slowly, because trust develops slowly. So if you think you found somebody, and this can even be in a platonic friendship, I know there's times where I meet people and you think, wow, I must have known this person in another life because you just immediately click with them. You still have to measure yourself. You have to hold back and you have to make sure that this person is worthy to be in your life and worthy of your trust. Don't give it all away. So that's a sign of a gaslighter is somebody who love bombs and, you know, probably tells you I'm in love with you too early on. You know, that is definitely a red flag. So that is a warning, warning, warning. 
Um, the next one, number six, is intentional changes in behavior. So in private, they're one way, okay? They're one way. They're probably putting you down and saying things to you. But then when they get out around your family and your friends, you know, oh, they are just this perfect person. And so that's to create seeds of doubt in your mind so that when you do finally speak up and say, hey, you know what? So-and-so is doing this and your family and your friends are like, really? I can't believe that because, you know, when I see them, they're so wonderful and they're so perfect. They're doing that with malicious intent. So be careful. If people are not the same around different people, that is a red flag. You know, anybody who knows me, my whole Speaking Frankly brand, I am the same person all the time. I mean, don't get me wrong. I mean, you know, in certain environments, you can let your hair down a little bit more. You know, I know how to act when, you know, you're out and at a corporate setting or something like that. But for the most part, I truly am always being myself. And when you're always being yourself, you don't have to fake anything, you know, because I can't even remember. I, I don't have a good enough memory to try to become somebody else. So be careful when you see that they are different around different people. Number seven is deflection. When you ask a direct question, like, what are you doing this Saturday night? And instead of them answering and just saying, hey, I'm doing this, they'll say, well, why are you asking me? Well, why do you care? They turn things into saying like, well, you're too controlling. You're too involved. You're too emotional. You're, you're too nosy. And that deflection is because they don't want to, you know, shine a light on whatever it is they are doing. So that is what deflection is. And last but not least is scapegoating. Scapegoating is a tactic when other people make you believe something that has happened is your own fault. So an example of that would be something like, say you had plans and they're really late. And, you know, if you try to set a boundary, then they might be like, well, you know, if you hadn't taken up my time earlier calling me at work to double check this, then I might have been on time. So it's always putting it back on you and never taking responsibility. They are the people who are always going to have some type of an excuse instead of just saying, you know what, I'm wrong you know, I'm sorry, and I apologize, and I'll just try to do better. They're always going to try to put it back onto you. So I hope you learned something from this uh, whole episode today, and I'm going to get my friend, Dr. Frida, on the line. She is a mindset coach, a transformational mindset coach. And I had her on an episode uh, several months ago. That episode was Why Did I Get Married? And we talk about relationships and she is just an incredible person. I talk to her every Friday and we are each other's accountability partners. And I met her in Paris um, in June of 2022 on a writing women's writing retreat. And we met each other and we just immediately clicked and, you know, form this friendship and we speak life into each other. We encourage each other and we also call each other out on each other's bullshit. So we do not gaslight each other. <laughs> we are not abusive with one another, but we are real. We're raw. We're authentic. So I'm going to leave you with this quote before I get her on the line. And it says this, it's by Mel Robbins. And it says, toxic people make you think you're holding a grudge when you're really holding a boundary. So the takeaway from it all today is you have to set boundaries in your life. And when you have boundaries that are set in stone and in place, all of these gaslighting, narcissistic people who don't want to apologize, never think they're wrong. When you set boundaries, you can set a place for yourself to exist and, and, and be happy in life. And, and when people cross those boundaries, you know, they have consequences and that's what these people need. They need consequences. Hello, Dr. Frida. How are you? I am well. How are you, Janae? I am doing good. Thank you so much for being here today. I am so happy you are back with us. I am so happy to be here. You know, we have the best time. So, yes, I am <laughs> glad to be here. We do. We have the best time, even talking about uh, difficult topics, right? Yes. Well, you know, you what they said, you have to 
go through the trauma to, you know, learn the lesson on the other side. So that's exactly right. I was just talking to my daughter the other day about how things will keep popping up in your life until you learn the lesson. Do you believe in that? Oh, I believe that is a universal law. Like things will keep continue to happen until you know what it is you need to learn. And sometimes we fight, we blame God and we blame other people, but sometimes we have to stop and look at ourselves in the mirror. That's exactly right. That's funny you say that because I was just thinking about that this morning. I was thinking about self-awareness and how that is one of the key factors in, you know, growing and healing and moving forward is to be self-aware, right? Yes. Yes. Because if you're not self-aware, then you're you're open to allowing someone else to tell you who you are. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. Well, today's topic is a kind of a buzzword that people have been talking about for the last, I don't know how many years, you know, people talk about narcissistic personality disorder and they talk about gaslighting. And, you know, it's one of those things where it can creep up on you and you don't even know it's happening until it's too late. So um, what do you think about gaslighting? Like, have you worked with clients who have been in situations like that? Oh, yes. Yes. So myself, as probably everyone who's listening, has been a victim of a gaslighting situation. Um, I've definitely worked with clients um, who've been um, a victim of gaslighting. I have my I myself has been have been gaslit by my ex Mm-hmm. Um, and I honestly did not know the term, which is a form of manipulation. That's Correct. what ga- gaslighting is. It's just, you know, manipulating someone psychologically to get them to do what you want them to do and have them questioning their own beliefs. And so I didn't really know what that was while I was going through it until I started after my divorce, I went through a lot, a lot of healing and transformation like without the trauma you there's no transition and so I went Mm -hmm. through a lot of like um just healing and that's when I came across the word gaslighting and I was like what the heck is this (laughs) and you know in 1944 there was a movie about the topic gaslighting it was with Angela Lansbury she was in it and I'm a, a, a right. AMC, TMC movie buff. But Me too. Yes. <laughs> yes. So I seen that movie and I was like, oh my gosh, it was her husband that was gaslighting her. Right. And so to go back to myself, I was, I always say my ex-husband, he's a good person. He just wasn't good for me. And so during the the short stint that we were married, um, it was a lot of manipulation that I didn't even know that I was going through. For an example, he would never compliment me. Okay. Um, he would never, I was getting my, I started my doctoral program at the time. And I remember, you know, going through this, the statistics um, class and I needed his help and he wouldn't help me. He was like, you know, you have to figure life out. You have to figure things out. And this will make you a better person. And I'm like, but you have an <laughs> MBA in this. So, like, why why can't you help me? <laughs> like, exactly. To help me. So. Exactly. Um, so, it was just a lot of. I remember when we was going through our divorce, he was telling me that, you know, I was never his type. He's used to models and. You know, um, and honey, you are a model. So what are <laughs> talking about here? <laughs> oh, thank you, thank you. But you are, you are drop dead gorgeous. So what are you talking about, sir? I, I'm confused. Exactly. <laughs> and later on, um, after our divorce, he came back and he actually told me that the reason why he was doing that was because he didn't want to. He didn't want me to realize how beautiful I was. And so I would end up leaving him. And it was just, it was just projection because I, it never crossed my mind. It actually had me doubting myself. Like, am I beautiful? And I never had a problem with it ever, ever had a problem 
when it's isn't someone, that something? Isn't that it something? Is. It How is. You can be a confident person most mm-hmm. of your life and you get into a relationship with someone and they really have you doubting your reality. You know, um, what is yes. real in your life? That's crazy. Yes. And you believe, and you, even the strongest person mm-hmm. have that, that moment of time where it's just, can I do this? Am I this person? And when you have someone that close, someone that stood before, you know, a minister and God and, and vowed to, to protect you. And when that covering is now telling you that you're not good enough, it, it does, it kind of shakes your boots, you know? And of course. It, and of it course. shook mine. And it was just, um, it was really, really, it was really tough for me. It was really tough. And it took me a year. I went mm-hmm. a lot of um, deep therapy. I removed myself from social media and I focused on Frida and I had to remember who I was, um, right. and who I am. Um, and I remember it took the, the, my doctoral program was three years. It took me five years and I never, I knew, I told myself, I'm never, I'm not going to give up. I don't care. And it was almost like mm-hmm. I'm doing it for myself, but I'm doing it to prove to him that I, I know that nothing is going to ever stop me. Right. And so, right. and so I, I completed it and everything. And, but it, but now that we, you know, and I always say we go through things, not for us, but for someone else. And so now in this line of work, um, mm-hmm. I'm able to identify so quickly and help my clients and so, because when you're going through it, you really, you can't see the, you can't see the forest for the trees. Right. And right. so when you're going through it, it's just like, oh my God, I'm the only person that's dealing with this and I don't know how to get out of this. And so that's where professionals like yourself and myself come in to identify these, these tendencies and see like baby girl or Mr. Man, like you're <laughs> Please that's exactly right. That's exactly right. And that leads to the limiting beliefs, right? Um, Because gaslighter can really get into those limiting core beliefs you have about yourself and even alter them. Yes. Oh, yes. Yes. And I always have to say, I always think about, so for me, I like to get to the root cause, like the why. And I've Mm -hmm. always been that person, the why. Like, why do people do that? Why do people try to manipulate things. And of course, it's always that self-projection. It's always something that they're struggling with. And I was, I was, I, I was once taught that in order for someone to feel bad or dehumanize you, they have mm-hmm. to first do it to themselves. That's right. And so that's where the projection comes from. And it, and is once I got to the why and, and I start asking the right questions and getting out of that limiting belief, like why me? No, it's not the why me. It's why did they do that? And more importantly, what am I? What do I need to learn out of this situation? And that usually brings you out of that limiting belief, right? When you're getting out of that victim syndrome into that um, solution victor um, mentality, and so and and that's what ultimately I I, I teach my clients is just why not you? <laughs> you know when you exactly when you right. when you ask the why me. Is why not you? It's because it's, you know, the universe, God, whoever you identify with, your source is using you as a catalyst to get to the masses, to get to other people. It's not about you. So I usually ask the question, why the root cause? Um, mm-hmm. This person is doing this. And then what can I learn from this situation? And so, um, and that's how I move out of, any limiting beliefs because it's, it's really easy to fall into that cycle the why me and I can't believe this and he mm-hmm. did this or she did this to me and and like we were talking about earlier you made a great point um that you could be gaslit in in any type type of relationship whether it's platonic romantic or right you know what, what these, yes yeah. exactly mm-hmm. so yes yeah well, what do you think it was, Frida, that caused him to be honest and, and say what he was trying to do? What do you think that was? Do you think that was another manipulation to feel sorry for him? You know, it could have been because he is a master manipulator. When I tell you he's a master manipulator, 
But I'm so grateful I was able to go through that situation because I could immediately recognize a manipulator in like 2.5 seconds. And without <laughs> that, without that situation, I would have been a victim so many more times. Like you said earlier, have yeah. learned, you know, go through these same troublesome lessons that I had to learn. Mm-hmm. But I honestly think that um, the covering, the rec, my, me recognizing the covering I have on my life, which we all do, but right. me recognizing the covering I have on my life and the prayers that I pray, um, or, you know, when I'm talking to my source is that protect me and make people so uncomfortable. If they don't mean me any good, make them so uncomfortable that they can't be around me, but they have to tell me why they can't be around me. I always pray that. And it's yeah. almost like, um, it's, it's almost like a, a ritualistic thing that I do unconsciously. And he uh, he didn't have to tell me everything that he told me. Did it hurt? Mm-hmm. Of course it did. But did I need to hear that? Of course I did. And so he um, he was very transparent. He told me some other things that I was just like, wow, that he did in our marriage that me, you know, still being the, you know, victim mentality was just like, oh, well, was me. And no, it was now it's like, thank you for um, honoring me by telling me the truth or your version of the truth. So I could move <laughs> or on. Or your version of the truth. <laughs> exactly. You know, so I could move on with my life. And without that situation, Janae, I would not be the woman that I am today, to be honest. Definitely, without a doubt. And you know what? That I love that you said that because what I've been realizing more and more every day, every week, every month, is that these challenging times that we go through, those are the things that shift your life for the better, even the dark times, even the horrible things. It's all for your greatest and highest good because you learn, you know, you never fail when you learn from your mistakes, you know, you never do. Never, never. I I love you said that because I always, I tell my nephew, he's 14 and I always tell my nephew, he was like, you know, I failed I failed a test or I failed at this. And I was like, failure is not a bad thing. It's, mm-hmm. it's a lesson that's learned because without the failures, without the bad, you cannot recognize the good. You have to have polar opposite to even appreciate. That's, the good. Exactly, that's exactly right. Just like when, you know, you're really, really sick and then you feel better again. <laughs> you appreciate your health, you know, yeah, you're like, hallelujah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I know. I know it. I know it. Well, what do you think about this topic? So, you know, obviously gaslighters can be yeah, family members. They can be, you know, friendships. They can be all different types of relationships. What do you think as far as toxic friendships? Like, how do you set boundaries when you begin to see that someone is toxic? Or how do you help your clients set boundaries? That is a great question. So boundaries are something, some depending culturally where you come from, you're taught to just, you know, don't make a wave and be quiet and, you know, don't ruffle any feathers. And yeah. I, I, I definitely, I don't come from that line of thinking. Okay. I am the <laughs> ruffle maker. Okay. So, <laughs> Me that, too. That's why we're friends. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And so what I teach my clients is that in order to set healthy boundaries first starts with self. And that's going back to what you're saying, knowing thyself, right? And so Mm -hmm. you can't teach people how to treat you if you don't know how to treat yourself. And so set those healthy boundaries. You need to first identify what those boundaries are for you. So a boundary for you is going to be different for a boundary for me. Right. And and so, but you have to know yourself in order to to set those um, foundational boundaries. And that's platonic, romantic your family. Um, so I, one of, one of my clients have, um, she did not know how to set boundaries with her mother and her, her siblings. Mm -hmm. And so her mother would come and, and stay with her and her family for like months on end, expecting to like not pay for to be taken care of. And she, and she's like, well, I'm your mom. Now it's my turn for you to take care of me. And so it was infringing on her life, you know, for right. like a 
And of course, you're going to be there for your mom. You're going to be there for your father. You're going to be there for your family. But when right. is it too much? And so we went through some exercises, some some um, great coaching sessions where she had a transparent conversation. And what we realized, like I said earlier, I like to get to the why, to the root of the problem. Exactly. Like, why did you feel like it was okay or necessary for your mom to um, disrespect your boundaries or um, mm -hmm. what, what that looks like. Come to find out she didn't even have any boundaries set. So once we set those boundaries based on what she felt comfortable with, mm -hmm. then I went back to the root. So why do you feel like you did not, um, mm -hmm. you didn't feel worthy enough for your boundaries to be respected? And then that transpired to her, her romantic relationships and how she was being disrespected in those relationships as well. And it came to find out that mm -hmm. something happened in her childhood, that which is usually how it happens, that she never learned to set those boundaries because her, her mother herself never set boundaries with mm -hmm. um, the opposite sex. And so she grew up learning that, that what you call limiting belief, mm -hmm that she wasn't worthy to have these set boundaries. And so she allowed her mother, she allowed men, and she allowed friendships to, for lack of better words, use her and right. until her cup was empty. And so um, we we went through some, some sessions and it was a lot of tears that were shed, but it was, that's a form of purging as well that exactly. allowed her to realize that she wasn't even treating herself with respect. So she couldn't expect that her, for her mother or any man or anyone for that matter to treat her with the respect that she knew that she deserved. That's exactly right. You teach people how to treat you. And if you're not loving yourself, how in the world are other people going to love you? Right? Exactly. Exactly. But you know what, Janae? So many people don't even know what that looks like. You know, we yeah. say that so much like self-love and love yourself. And people really think that Mm -hmm. self-care and self-love is just going to the spa and getting your nails and hair done that's part of it but that is you you cannot your external reflects your internal and i'm a firm believer in that and it's and it's a lot of people and i'm quite sure you have clients that that go through this that they don't really know what self-love and self-care is right Exactly. That's exactly right. And that's why we are here, right, Dr. Frida? Yes, I agree. I agree. So. We are here to help people with exactly that. So, okay. So the next question and the last question is this, how do you know how to make it work versus moving on? So either in your own life or with your clients, you know, I saw the other day on, I think it was on Instagram and it was that um, writer, uh, you know, Elaine Welterworth? I'm not no. sure. Okay, no. so she was talking about, uh, there was an individual who wrote her and she was just saying she had a 15 year long friendship with someone and she knew that she needed to pivot. And did she want to talk to this person about it and have a conversation or was it a situation just to move on? So how do you know how to make it work versus moving on? What would you tell your clients or, or for yourself? Yeah, so making it work is um, when they when they that the perpetrator or the antagonist is disrupting what you what your definition of peace is, which is subjective. Then you know it's time for you to move on as a person, and when your peace is being disrupted. And I, right, I'm right. a firm believer that people come in your life for a reason, season, and lifetime, and we sometimes keep people on that lifetime train when it should be on that season train. And That's so <laughs> it, it's time to move on. And, and we, and a, a lot of times we, and I'm putting myself into it as well. We are afraid of the unknown. We are afraid of the, this person not, no longer in our life. And we don't know what that looks like, especially when it's a 15, 20, 30 year plus relationship <laughs> we had. Um, Right. But source can't bless you when you still have um, so much clutter in your life. So when that when that clutter becomes unbearable for your peace, for your yeah. growth, it's time for you to leave. Should you have that conversation? Me, I'm a closer. 
I have to, I like to have that conversation because I feel like I'm freeing not only person because right. sometimes a person don't even know what they're doing, but I feel like I need to let you know that this is how I feel. And maybe, you know, going forward with your other relationships, this is something that you can be a better person for. That's right. That's right. I love that answer. I really do. Now, as far as gaslighters are concerned, I did I did read that gaslighters are sometimes people that you shouldn't try to let them know you know what's going on. You just recognize <laughs> what it is and get the hell on out of there. <laughs> and and go and go them. You know, and and, I, and it and, and it definitely depends on where you are mentally and psychologically. I, I had that closing moment with my ex-husband because but like I said it took me a full year of just removing myself from the spotlight from the situation from everything for me to heal myself so when I come back to him Mm -hmm. a year later um I was so strong and I was so like the baddest blanket and blank that would come into this room (laughs) like period (laughs) I was so comfortable, but I do not suggest, you know, even if you go through one of our coaching sessions and you be like, well, now I feel good. I'm going to go back and tell my narcissistic, you know, mother or father or husband or wife that I am leaving. You know, I don't suggest that. I suggest that, you you know, we are, we have the answers to all our problems and I'm a firm believer that you will know what is the right time if it is a right time for you to have that conversation with that person. Right. But for me, I I had that conversation and I put them on the block list at, along with other people. So, <laughs> Honey, I have a strong block hand. Let me tell you. Strong arm, stiff arm, whatever kind of arm. I'm good at blocking. <laughs> it's a running list for me, okay? It's a running list. It's a running list. But that is a form of self-care and self-love, isn't it? Yes, definitely. You are your responsibility. You can't do anything for your family, your children, until self is taken care of first. That's how it always is. Taken care of first. I love that. Well, you know, I have a quote, Dr. Frida. And the quote is this, and it says that somebody who's trying to put you down is already below you. What do you think? Yes, yes, they have to. You, they have, right? We are the high. We're brought in the highest form of love. So when you're not operating in love, you're operating in fear. So in order to operate in fear, you have to reach a certain level where you don't even believe in yourself to project that into the world to other people. So I definitely believe that. So Dr. Frida, how can the listeners find you? Well, they can visit me on my website at the T H E doctor. And that's D R Frida F R E D A.com. Or you can follow me at on Instagram, which I do a tackle Tuesday. Um, Every Tuesday, some some suggestions. And that is um, Dr. Underscore Frida Underscore Coaching. I love your uh, Tackle Tuesdays. Absolutely love it. Aww, and also TikTok too, right? Yes, yes, yes. And um, I'm doing um, a TED Talk next month in Broward County, Florida. That is awesome. Yes, yes. And then this this summer, God willing, um, we're going to have, I'm going to have a a retreat and Miss Janae will be doing a session there. So, yes. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. I cannot wait. Exciting, exciting time. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Frida, for joining us today. It is always a treat, always a delight. And do you have any advice or anything? Look, I know it's a Friday. It's not a Tuesday <laughs> that you'd like to leave the listeners with. <laughs> yes, I said it earlier. And people look at trauma as a bad thing. And I always say tr- without trauma, there is no transition. How about that? Without trauma, there is no transition. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> and the church said, Amen. <laughs> 
Well, thank you so much, Dr. Frida. Uh, You take care. And until next time, speak frankly, always signing off your life coach, Dr. Frida and Janae. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you again for listening to this week's episode, The Twilight Zone. And also a special thanks to my friend and accountability partner, Dr. Frida. You can check her out on her website for her services. Also, you can subscribe to the Speaking Frankly podcast on the Anchor app, Apple Podcasts, Google, Spotify, and all other platforms that host podcasts. Last but not least, if you want to check out my writing, it is on my blog, Speaking Frankly, on my website, JanaeFrank.com, where you can find my life coaching service. You can set up a free 30-minute discovery call with me to find out how life coaching can change your life for the better. I will help you find the love of your life and to live the life of your dreams. Um, And then my writing where I write about love, life, pain and everything in between. So until next week, make sure you speak frankly, always take care. Bye-bye.